home is a, is a God-protected home. And more than anything, what I want you to understand this morning is that more than anything, God wants to protect our hearts. When you're working with your kids, parents, you need to parent to the heart. You know, too, too many times we parent to the actions and not enough to the heart. Listen to this, everybody. Worship starts in our homes. That's where worship starts. It doesn't start when we come in here and the, the first note is played. Worship starts in our homes. It's if you want a blessed home, a Christ-centered home, and you want a pure heart in our homes, we need to definitely start with our heart for sure, but then we need to parent to the heart. By a show of hands, let me ask you this question. How many of you would like to have peace in your homes and lives? Would you raise your hand? Raise your hand nice and high. Okay, most everybody's hands up. If your hand's not up, I guess maybe you want conflict and chaos in your home. Is that what you're... No, we want peace. We all want to have peace in our homes. And today we're going to talk about being peacemakers. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? We're continuing our series called Bless This Home. This is the third week. We're looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. If you'd like to take out your Bibles, mobile devices, you can make your way there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 today. Uh, Jesus preached a message called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and he began this message with eight Beatitudes. Beatitudes means blessings. Eight ways to be blessed. We're looking at four of them and how they specifically apply to the home. Because unfortunately, too many homes today are not blessed, and we want to have homes that are blessed. Amen, church? And so we're talking about blessed as home. Week one, we learned blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Those who are right with God and seek right living. Week two, we talked about blessed are the pure in heart, for those will be the ones who see and worship God and purity of heart. And today we're going to talk about blessed are the peacemakers. And I think this is great that it landed on Mother's Day, because if there's anyone who knows how to be a peacemaker, it's a mom, amen? They know how to make peace and figure that out in, in the home. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we're going to look at this in just a moment. And I really want to encourage you guys, if you missed any of the messages the last two weeks, we put all of them, we videotape them, we put them online at our website, orchardchurch.tv, go to the message page, and, and make sure you don't miss a week of this. And so go back and, and watch these and catch these up. We've had some just incredible responses uh, to these messages and how they're helping you guys, so don't miss that. Also, something we're going to do this time when we finish this series, we're going to finish the teaching next Sunday, but then the following Sunday, which is actually Memorial Day weekend, on that Sunday, we're going to answer your questions about this series so you guys give us your questions so inside of your newsletter you guys have your newsletters there's a little half sheet in there just give us your question any questions you have uh, about parenting and leading your kids and or any responses to these messages questions that you have please give us those you can turn it in the offering bucket and receive our gifts uh, so we can answer your questions on that day in a couple of weeks let's look at our text today this beatitude Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 it simply says now help me out church as we read this Blessed are the what, church? Peacemakers. Because that was maybe half of you. Okay, I want us all to be involved in this. So let's read it again. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Sons of God. Blessed, Jesus said, are the peacemakers. You want to be blessed? You want your home to be blessed? Your lives, your families to be blessed? Be a peacemaker. Strive for peace in your home. But unfortunately, too many homes today are not characterized by peace. They're characterized by conflict and chaos and tension and difficulties. 
And now I have some of you all's attention because you're like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. We experience that in our home or in our extended family. And I know what some of you are thinking. Yes, we have chaos and we have tension, but it's not my fault. I know whose fault it is. Don't point any fingers, please. I know whose fault it is. because, And here's how I know this. And help me with this, because every family, either in the immediate family or the extended family, every family has someone who's a little bit difficult to get along with, a little bit psycho, okay? And and to prove this, let me ask you, by raising your hand all together, how many of you would say there's somebody in your family, your immediate family, your extended family, that's a little difficult to to get along with, maybe a little psycho? Raise your hand, raise your hand up, look at, raise them up high, keep them up, keep them up. Look around, look around. Now, there's a lot of hands, but there were a few of you that did not raise your hand. And every home has at least one person who's a little difficult to work with. So just kind of think about that. And the truth is, when it comes to our homes and our families, relationships are challenging. They're not easy, they take work. And families can easily slip into dysfunction at times if we're not careful. Uh, I, I thought about this story as, by way of illustration this morning. When, when our kids were, were little, they're teenagers now, and when uh, Caitlin was about four or so, Kate, Caleb was about six, um, they had this little car. Caitlin had this little car she liked to ride in. I think we got a picture. Isn't that cute? She had this little car, and she loved to, to ride around this car. Now, I know they got like those power cars today, and they had them back then too, but we could not afford the power wheel car, so we got the Flintstone car, okay? So you had to pedal this thing with your feet. But, but Caitlin, we call her Missy, was smart enough to get her older brother at times to push her. Now, he's really fast, and so he'd get behind her, and he would push her, and he would go really fast, and sometimes he would go much faster than she wanted to go, and sometimes they would crash, you know, they'd go off the curb, they'd flip the thing over, they'd run into a tree, and, and this would happen many times. And every time it would happen, Missy would come running to us crying, ah, Bubby hurt me, Bubby hurt me, Bubby hurt me. And Caleb would come up and he would plead his case. And, and he'd, she'd be saying, Bubby, you hurt me, Bubby, you hurt me. And we'd say, well, you guys got to work it out. And, no, Caleb, maybe, maybe Bubby shouldn't be pushing you anymore. And we'd try to work it out and say, you guys got to work this out. And she'd, Bubby, you hurt me, you hurt me. Dude. And then she'd finally settle herself down and she'd stop crying. And she'd look at her brother and she'd go, let's do it again. <laughs> and they'd get back in and they'd do it again. And you know, this sometimes happens in our families and our relationships, doesn't it? You hurt me. You hurt me. Will you hurt me? Let's do it again. And sometimes we hurt people over and over that we love and we don't experience peace in our homes. There's tension and chaos and difficulties. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for you in your home. What, what are things that rob peace in your home? What is it for you? I, I know this is Mother's Day. And maybe for some of you, if you're honest and you're real transparent, you'd say, you know, one of the things that's making it difficult for me to have peace in my home is because my mom is always kind of looking over my shoulder and telling me how to parent my kids. And that's hard for me. You know, maybe you're, you're hearing you say, you know, we would have peace in our home once the kids are gone. Because as long as they're here, there's anything but peace, and they're always fighting, and they can't get along, and sibling rivalries, and you touch me, you touch me, and you hurt me, and you hurt me, and you, you know, parents, we're like, one, two, two and a half. Finally, we just give up, you know, moms just go take a bath and let the kids fight it out sometimes, you know. Maybe that's what steals peace, you know, 
Maybe you're a teenager. You're a young person, you're in here in this service, and you're like, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, why my home is chaotic. My parents are always trying to tell me what to do. I'm a teenager. Don't they know I got it all figured out by now? You know, and things are chaotic, and you know, my, my parents are always trying to control me, and my parents don't trust me. We have a lot of blended families here at Orchard Church. And blended families are reality today, but they're a challenge today. They're, it can be difficult, and there's other exes involved. And you know, you parent one way when they're at your house, and they get parented another way when they're at another house, and you wonder, are we ever gonna have peace with this situation? I talk to adult people all the time that they're struggling to have peace in their homes and their lives because they can't forgive mom or dad for something that happened to them years and years and years ago. They can't forgive a brother or sister for something they did years and years and years and years ago. And I believe with all my heart, church, that God wants to do a lot of healing today on Mother's Day for all of us. A lot of healing as we apply what Jesus said again here in Matthew 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. This word peace is a word you see a lot in your Bible. In the Old Testament, it was the word shalom. You've probably heard that greeting. In the New Testament, it's not as familiar, but it's the Greek word aren. But when we think about peace, when we think about this word, we tend to think of the absence of bad. That peace means the absence of bad. But that's not what this word means. When Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he wasn't just talking about the absence of bad. What he was saying is, I wish you the highest good. And there's a difference in those two. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't just mean, I want your home to be strife and chaos free. He said, I want you to have the, the highest good. I want you to experience the best, the highest good, because blessed are the peacemakers. And when Jesus first preached this message, it was very counterculture to the people he was talking to. Because at that time, like it is today, 2,000 years later, when Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he, the culture of that day was an eye for an eye and a what? Tooth for a tooth. And people thought, you know, I have my own personal rights, and when somebody does me wrong, I can do them wrong. And I have the right to get angry, I have the right to be offended. I, people that hurt me, I have a right to hurt them. And, and people thought about putting themselves first. And Jesus said, put that away and be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, when we put ourselves first, we put peace last. And there's a higher calling for followers of Jesus Christ. I know it's different than society. I know it's different in the world, but that's what we're called to be as followers of Jesus, amen? And there's a higher calling. And I want you to notice what Jesus said in this verse. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peace keepers. And there's a big difference in those two words. You see, peacekeepers often avoid conflict in order to keep the peace. Peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Peacekeepers work around issues, but they never take time to work through issues. God doesn't want us working around issues and acting like they don't exist, but he wants us to work through them because blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Do you see the difference? Say yes. See, peacekeepers will do anything to get, just get along, just to keep the peace. Peacekeepers won't get close to anyone because they know if you get close to people, then relationships get messy and there can be conflict and they might have to work through something. And peacekeepers don't work through issues, they work around issues. Peacekeepers, when there's conflict, you know, they won't work it out. They'll just say, well, let's just call a truce and let's act like this never happened. 
And people do this in relationships all the time, in families and workplaces and neighborhoods and friendships. And people in families will have things that they'll hurt each other and peacekeepers will just avoid it and act like it didn't happen, you know, and they'll come to dinner at Thanksgiving and Christmas and smile and like, hey, great to see you guys. Oh, we love you. And they're like, oh, I can't stand what I Because they're just trying to keep the peace and there's this elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. We call these people passive aggressive. Do you all know what a passive aggressive person is? Don't point to one if you know one in here, okay? Here's the problem, though, with passive-aggressive people. Here's the problem with peacekeepers instead of peacemakers. They'll hold things in to keep the peace, but eventually it will come out, right? And they shove it down and shove it down and shove it down, but when it comes out, it explodes and it is nasty and it is ugly and it is horrible. Peacekeepers work around the issues instead of through the issues. And Jesus didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Here's the difference. Peacemakers actually embrace conflict in order to make peace. They embrace it so they can work through it, not around it, and make peace. Because peacemakers who are Christ followers, who are living Christ-centered lives, believe that the Prince of Peace can help us make peace in our homes and lives and relationships. And they will work to make peace. A key thought throughout this series that we've talked about every week is this. And I, and I love that you guys were picking up on it because the first week you guys started putting it on Facebook and tweeting it out and it was cool. And so if you haven't been here, let me say it again. You have it in your notes. This is the key theme of this series, Bless This Home. We are not just trying to be a Christian home. We are trying to be a Christ-centered home. And there's a difference. A Christian home can be a Christian home in name only. I mean, 75% of people in America claim to be Christians. But in a Christian home, you can be a Christian home in name only. And when somebody does you wrong and something happens in the family and there's chaos and there's conflict, you go, well, I'm just going to write them off and forget you and screw you and all kinds of stuff. And they don't work through anything. They work around things. But a Christ-centered home is different. At a Christ-centered home, it doesn't mean that it's conflict-free or that it's chaos-free. And it doesn't mean that you're just hoping for the absence of bad, but a Christ-centered home says, we are praying and seeking for the highest good in our home, in our lives, in our relationships. We're gonna work at being peacemakers. We're not gonna work around issues, we're gonna work through issues through the power of the Prince of Peace and we're gonna do what Jesus is teaching us to do because blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Paul echoed this same thing that Jesus was saying. In Romans chapter 12, verse 17, Paul said this, never pay back evil with more evil. Oh, if we would all apply that. (laughs) It's so easy when somebody does you wrong to do them wrong. When somebody blows you off to blow them off. When somebody hurts you to hurt them. Paul said, never pay back evil with more evil. That's not how you make peace. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that, what are the next two words? Very key. You can. Paul says, do all that you can to live in peace with who? Everyone. Now let me help you out. That in the original Greek, that word everyone, it means everyone. That help you? Everyone. Do all that you can to live at peace 
with everyone because we're seeking to be blessed and blessed are the peacemakers. And I love what Paul said, do all that you can because we know the truth is we can do all that we can do and sometimes the other person just still doesn't want to have peace. But that's between them and the Lord. We are to do our part. You do what you can with everyone to be a peacemaker. You can say, I'm sorry. You can say, I love you. I didn't mean to hurt you. You can say, I value our relationship. And I'd like to see restoration take place. You can say, I want to work this out. You can. Can't you? Yes, you can. And that's what peacemakers do. So, so let me give you three things, very practically this morning. If you want to be a peacemaker, because blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. What do peacemakers do? Let me, you say, okay, I want to be a peacemaker, I want to do what I can, what, what can I do? Let me give you three very tangible, very practical, simple things. They're very simple, but they are profound if you apply them to your life. Number one, here's what peacemakers do. They speak the truth in love. Peacemakers speak the truth in love. This is what Christ-centered homes do. This is what peacemakers do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 says this. Instead, here's what Christ followers do. We will speak the truth in what, church? Love, growing in every way, more and more to be like who? Christ. Notice it says speak the truth in love. It doesn't say yell the truth in love. (laughs) There's a difference. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. You always leave your clothes, leave it around. But I love you. No. We speak the truth in love. Now, how how do we do this? Let me just give you, I don't even think these are in your notes, but you might want to jot them down. Just a couple of really practical things. They, They teach you this in counseling. How do we speak the truth in love practically? Well, first of all, you do it in non conflict times. When you're in the middle of a shouting match and somebody's about to throw a shoe at you, it's not a good time, probably, to speak the truth in love. Let things calm down. Let things settle down and then go back and speak the truth in love. And when we speak the truth in love in non-conflict times, confront the issue, not the person. Don't attack the person. Work through the issue because peacemakers work through issues, not around issues. That makes sense. Say yes. Do do it in non-conflict times and address the issue, not the person. My wife who is one of the most godly women that I know, and I know this because I watch her day in and day out for 21 years. She's the real deal. And she knows how to talk to me at the right time in the right way. And she's so good at it. She's so sweet about it. And I'm gonna be very transparent, as I told you I would be throughout all this series, and I try to always be. Um, Early in ministry, about 15 years ago, um, I got in ministry, you know, and you're having to lead people, and sometimes you see people do some things, and you, you have to address it, and you have to talk to them, and you have to make decisions and, as leaders, and not everybody understands that, and it gets difficult, and I, I was having some conflict and some relationships because I, I was addressing some people that were, they were wrong. I mean, I had, I, had, I had Bible for it. I mean, it was wrong in every way, but I, I would talk to them, and then I would walk away, and really nothing changed. And our relationship wasn't better. It was more difficult and more challenging. And it was really weighing on my heart. I was trying to figure out, you know, what, where am I going wrong? And, and sweet little Shelly, 
She said, well, honey, can, can, I, can I maybe try to help you with that? She did it in a non-conflict time, and she was addressing the issue, not confronting me. And I'm like, yes, you can. And she said this. She, she said, you know, you, you're a quick thinker. You're a quick talker. You could, she said, if you weren't in ministry, you'd be a lawyer. She's like, you could present a case. And she goes, and you're usually right. You're absolutely right, except when you're talking to me. You're usually right. And she said, but honey, sweetie pie, darling, yeah? She said, here's what I see. And I, maybe this will help you. She said, I've seen that you can win the argument, but you sometimes lose the person. And I have never forgotten that. I've never forgotten that. And she was right. I wish I could say I've got it all figured out, I've got it down. I don't always, but I, I always think about that. I can win this argument. I can think quick enough, I can speak quick enough, and, and, and I, I know I'm right, I've got the facts, I've got the details, and I can win the argument, but if I lose the person, that's not being a peacemaker. And she helped me. You know how she helped me? She did a non-conflict time, she addressed the issue, not attacking me. And you know what else she didn't do? She didn't try to be a peacekeeper because a peacekeeper would have not addressed it, would have not talked to me and just been like, well, he's on his own. Good luck. She wanted to be a peacemaker and she lovingly talked through it and it helped me and, and it was a blessing to me. Let, let me give you some helpful statements to help you speak the truth in love so you can work through issues and not around issues. Just some simple things that if you want, you can jot down. Something like this, how you deal with the issue and not attack the person in non-conflict times. Things like this. When you don't listen to me, I don't feel like you value me. And you're sharing how you feel and you're trying to help somebody else understand the issue and how you feel. When you raise your voice, I don't feel safe. And I wanna feel safe and I know you want me to feel safe. When you aren't honest with me, it's difficult for me to trust you. And I wanna trust you and I know you want me to trust you. You, you see the difference? See, that's, that's the statements peacemakers make. When you continue to check your phone at the table during dinner, me and the kids, the family, we feel devalued. I feel the Spirit of God coming down right now, speaking to all. This is a God moment right now. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, put the phones down and eat dinner with your families, amen? We need to hear that. Peacemakers speak the truth in love. In non-conflict times, they confront issues, not the person, because blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. Here's another thing peacemakers do. This is a hard one, but man, it's life-changing. Apologize when you're wrong. Apologize when you're wrong. James 5.16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what, church? Healed. So that you may be healed. Can you imagine how much healing would come into all of our relationships if the next time we were wrong, we just simply said, I am sorry. Please forgive me. And can we now just pray together that the Lord would help us reconcile this? I mean, can you imagine how much healing and how life-changing that would be in all of our relationships if we applied James chapter 5, 16 every time there's conflict and difficulty in our home or any of our relationships for that matter? Now, how do, how do peacemakers apologize? When we talk about apologizing, saying, you know, will you forgive me? How, 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 do you, how do we do that? How do we apologize when we're wrong? Because there's a right way to apologize and there's a wrong way to apologize. Can we agree? And here's one of the right ways. You admit to specific actions and attitudes with no excuses. That's the right way to apologize. 
You admit to specific actions and attitudes with no excuses. Don't say, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know. As soon as you say, but, you've just erased the apology. You apologize to specific things without excuses. I love the way Benjamin Franklin says it. He says it this way. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. Man, that's good stuff right there. Never ruin an apology with an excuse. I'm sorry. I raised my voice. That was wrong of me. I'm sorry I belittled you in front of our friends and embarrassed you. That was wrong of me. I'm sorry. I should have called if I was going to be late for dinner. You've worked hard to prepare that all day long. I, I have no excuse. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. I'm sorry. I dropped the cat off the roof to see if it would land on four legs. I know that was wrong of me. It did, but I'm sorry I did. Just kidding about the last one. Kind of. Okay. Here's the deal. There's a big difference between remorse and repentance in our relationships. When we're trying to be peacemakers. We're seeking for repentance, not remorse. Remorse says, I'm sorry I got caught I'm sorry you're having a hard time. I'm sorry it's that time. I'm sorry you got your feelings hurt. That's remorse. But repentance says, I was wrong. Period. I sinned. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Peacemakers apologize without excuses. You see, when you think about it, I'm sorry is, is good to say at times, but I'm sorry is for mistakes. You know, I'm sorry I left the toilet lid up again. Sorry, my bad. Will you forgive me is for sin. Will you forgive me? I lied to you. Will you forgive me? I deceived you. Will you forgive me? I cheated on you. Repentance. Let me give you nine life-changing words that will change all of our relationships if we'll let these words find their way into the flow of our relationships. Nine life-changing words. They're real simple. I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Work those into your vocabulary more often. Those nine words. Because blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. We're not just trying to be a Christian home in name only. We're seeking to be Christ-centered homes. And Christ-centered homes are peacemaking homes. We're not just striving for the absence of bad and chaos and conflict. But we're praying and striving for the highest good to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Peacemakers speak the truth in love. Peacemakers apologize when wrong. And here's the third one, and this might be the most difficult of all. Peacemakers forgive and let go. They forgive and they let go. And I want to walk very gently into this last one because immediately when I said that, something welled up inside of many of you. Because this is painful for you. This is difficult for you. As soon as I said, peacemakers forgive and let go, you, you thought, yeah, oh yeah, Pastor Doug, you, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what has happened to me. And you're right, I don't. But God does. I, I recognize in, in, in dealing with people for almost 25 years of full-time ministry, people have been wounded and hurt deeply. For some of you, you have experienced significant betrayal 
by people that you thought you could trust and loved and cared about you. For, for some of you, you've had a spouse who's cheated on you, committed adultery, and maybe not just once, but multiple times. Some of you have experienced abandonment. Some of you have experienced abu- abuse by people that were supposed to love and protect you. Abuse emotionally, physically, sexually. And you're thinking, I understand this. How do I forgive that? And if you're honest, you may even be feeling like, I don't know if I want to forgive that. And I'm not going to tell you that it's easy, because it's not. But I am going to tell you this on the authority of God's word, it is doable. It's doable. It's possible. And not only that, it's vitally important for Christ-centered homes and families, that we be peacemakers. Say, okay, how do you do that? And I'm going to share with you what I share with one of our men on our men's retreat. We just got back from our men's retreat. We had almost 70 men that went on our retreat. And uh, on Friday night, 10 men put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ at our retreat. Can we celebrate that this morning? It's awesome. Great, great retreat. And um, one of the men came up to me after one of the sessions and and he said, I'm struggling with something. I'm struggling with how to forgive somebody. And he shared a little bit about what had happened. And he said, how do I forgive? And he, he wanted to forgive, but he was like, how do I do that? And I sh- I'm going to share with you what I shared with him. It's what Paul said in Colossians 3.13. Here's how we forgive the unforgivable, or we think is unforgivable. Paul said, make allowance for each other's faults, because we all have our faults. Amen? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive hard to say isn't it forgive anyone who offends you and remember the lord now here's the key here's how we do it how do you forgive anyone who's offended you because you remember that the lord forgave you so you must you must forgive others We extend to others the same forgiveness that Jesus Christ has extended to us. And I don't know about all you guys, but for me, that's a lot of forgiveness. Let me just ask you, by raising your hands, has the Lord forgiven you of a lot of sins that you didn't deserve? Would you raise your hand? That's all of us. You know what peacemakers do? We recognize how much Jesus has forgiven us, past, present, future sins, everything we've done, everything that we haven't done, but we've thought about doing. He knows everything, the thoughts and tents of our heart. And peacemakers say, through the power of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, I'm going to forgive and make peace in my relationships. I'm going to forgive as I've been forgiven. I want to close with a story. It's a true story. I know it well because it involves myself about forgiveness. Those of you that have been attending Orchard Church for some time, many of you have heard my personal testimony how when I was two weeks old as a baby, um, my birth mother put me up for adoption. She was 16 years old, she was an unwed mother, and she, she loved me and wanted me to have a home and a mom and dad, and she did the most unselfish, loving, caring thing that she could do. She said, 
I'm going to trust God with this life and give you to another family. And I thank God she did that. And I was raised in a Christian home, accepted Christ at a young age, praised God for my mom and dad that raised me. Couldn't ask for any better. And all I knew growing up was that my, my birth mom was 16 and an unwed mother. And so, of course, I figured, yeah, okay, understand, teenager, 16, made a mistake, got pregnant, but here I am. At 27 years of age, through God putting some circumstances together in the only way God could, we were able to meet for the first time. I was 27 years old. I met my birth mom. And I was able to look her in the eyes and say, thank you. Thank you for doing such a difficult thing that you did. Told her about my family. And we got around finally to the question, well, what about my birth dad? And she said, well, I think this is the question I dreaded the most when I knew we would meet. And when I asked her that question, she began to sob and began to tremble and shake, and I could tell that this was very difficult and painful for her. And she said, I want you to know the truth. And I said, okay. And she proceeded to tell me that she was dating this boy. He, he tried to get physical with her. She pushed him away and said no. She broke up with him. A couple of weeks later, he begged her to take him back, talked her into going on a walk, out kind of in the, in the woods and they were, they were, it was kind of, it was, a, it was a country club area and there was a party that was there with her friends and they went for a walk and he, date, he raped her. So my birth mom was raped. One time, I was conceived. All things do work together for good, don't they? That's how I got here. And it was so difficult, so painful for her to have to tell me this. And I was like, It's okay. I know God, and God knows what he's doing. And, but, and so I said, well, so what happened after that? And she said, well, my dad went over to his house and threatened to kill him. And <laughs> so the, the, the guy left. He kind of disappeared. Probably was pretty wise. He disappeared, and she said, I never saw him again. 27 years later, she's like, I, I, don't, I don't know where he lives. She said, Here's his name. If you want to find him, you have the right to do that, and I support you in that. But this was so difficult and painful for her. And she never had an opportunity to, to confront him about this. She, she told me, she said, I don't even know if he knows what he did. He had been drinking that night, and she said, I, I don't think he even recalls what happened, but I know what happened. So she gave me his name, and I did some internet searches, and I, I kind of came up empty-handed. I, I never could could find him, several years went by. And then one day she called me and she was moving places and she said, I, I came across one of my old yearbooks and, and your, your biological dad, I found his name and what I'd forgotten is we, he went by his middle name. But his real first name is this and she gave it to me and now I had his full name. I did a simple internet search and within minutes I found, I found a phone number and found him. I called him. Uh, talked to him a little bit. I didn't bring up what happened. He, all he recalled was they were boyfriend, girlfriend, and he heard she got pregnant, and then he, he ran from her dad. <laughs> That's pretty much what he remembered. And I, I, I just left it at that. About five years went by. Now, 
I'm 37 years old. Ten years have gone by since the first time my birth mom and I met. Ten years have gone by. Um, I'm in Austin, Texas where she lives. And what we found out was he still lived in Austin, Texas. He lived about two miles from her. For 37 years, they had lived in the same community, never seeing each other. And she said, have you had a chance to meet your birth dad face to face? And I said, no, only on the phone. And she said, well, do you want to go try and meet him today? And if you do, I will support you in that. And I think I'd like to go with you as difficult as that's going to be. So to make a long story short, we got in the car. We drove over to this neighborhood where he was in construction. He was building this house. And he came out. I met my birth dad for the first time, 37 years of age. And there's my birth mom standing next to me, and there's my birth dad right there. And after 37 years, here the three of us are, standing on the street corner meeting for the first time. One big happy family, you know. It was like, where's the Dr. Phil cameras? It was crazy. But then the most amazing thing happened. When my birth mom and I would be talk about my birth dad and what happened to her, she would always say, I, I know I need to forgive him, but I don't know how. And I, I told her about, you can only forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And I worked her through that process. And we're standing on that street corner, and she said, she said I want to talk to him. And she walked up to him after 37 years of not seeing each other. And she said, I want you to know what happened that night. Because I don't think you recall, like I do, what happened and what you did to me. And she, in detail, told him what he did. He immediately bowed his head and he simply said two words, forgive me, forgive me. No excuses, nothing else, forgive me. He said it over and over. And my birth mom said, I forgive you, I forgive you. And I'm telling y'all, it was like the weight of the world came off of her shoulders in that moment after 37 years. And the only way she was able to do that is because she had experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And she said, I'm going to forgive you as I've been forgiven. And incredible peace took place in that moment. And that's what peacemakers do. That's what Christ-centered homes do. That's what happens when we are seeking the highest good, not just the absence of bad. Blessed are the peacemakers. But Jesus... Let me close with this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, what? Sons of God. Here's the deal. Children of God. You and I never look more like our Heavenly Father than when we forgive. And we make peace. Because that's what He's done for us. Amen? That's when we look like children of God. Because He's a peacemaker. He's a forgiver. We're not just trying to be Christian homes. We're trying to be Christ in our homes, seeking for the highest good. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here this morning, you'd say, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to experience the highest good in our home. I don't want to just be a Christian home. I want to be a Christ-centered home. And God has spoken to me in some way there's something I can do to be a peacemaker. Can I pray for you? Would you slip up your hands for prayer all across the auditorium, everyone that is saying, yes, God has spoken to me about being a peacemaker. Thank you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. God bless you. Thank you. You can put them down. 
I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. Before I do, some of you here this morning, the truth is you've been hurt, and I'm sorry. You've been betrayed. You've experienced brokenness and relationships that need healing, and it starts with forgiveness. Peacemakers forgive. And maybe there's somebody you know right now you need to forgive as you've been forgiven. Maybe for some of you, you know there's somebody you need to ask forgiveness from because of something you've done. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? I need to forgive or I need to ask for forgiveness. Slip your hand up for prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Many hands. God bless you. You know, maybe for some of you, it's Mother's Day. Maybe the greatest Mother's Day gift you could give your mom is forgiveness. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those this morning that are seeking for peace, that we would be peacemakers. Not peacekeepers, but peacemakers. That we would forgive and that we would speak the truth in love and and that we would apologize when we've done wrong and that we would seek to work through issues and not around issues. And and God, that we would exemplify and personify who you are. You are a forgiver. You are a peacemaker. And that we'd apply that to our lives because blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. May our homes be blessed as we apply these truths to each and every one of our lives. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can't make peace with others till you've made peace with God. Are you at peace with God? Do you know the Prince of Peace? His name is Jesus. And he's the ultimate peacemaker. He sent his son, God sent his son Jesus to forgive our sins, to die on the cross, be buried and rise again, to forgive our sins so that we can have our relationship with God restored and we can have peace with our God. That's where it all starts. It starts right there. And I can't help but believe that maybe there's some of you here today, you've never made peace with God. And I want to give you an opportunity to make peace with God right now. You can, right where you sit, in your seat, you can open your heart in faith and belief to Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith. It's not a magic prayer. It's not magic words. But if you put faith and belief behind it, Jesus will come into your life today. He will save you. He will forgive you. He'll give you eternal life. He'll, and, and most of all, He'll make peace between you and God. And then he, the Prince of Peace, will be a part of your life and help you to be a peacemaker in all your other relationships. So if you're ready to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior today, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's right where you sit? Believe it and mean it. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me to pay for my sins. That you were buried and you rose again on the third day in victory over sin, death, and hell, and Satan. Jesus, I want to have peace with you and peace with God. Come into my life today. Save me. Forgive me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and loving me. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, nobody but myself looking around. If you're here this morning, you say, I just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, and I really meant it. I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you personally. Would you slip up your hand as a testimony? Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today and invited Jesus into my life. God bless you, ma'am, over here. Thank you. I see your hand. God bless you in the back over there in the top. God bless you. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand so I can see it real quick. Keep it up high so I can see it. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? I pray that prayer of faith to invite Jesus into my life today to make peace with him. Anyone else? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for all those putting their faith and trust in you today. Thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Help us to be peacemakers, Lord, and be blessed. 
thank you for all the decisions for you today, those that put their faith in you, that we pray as a church will help them grow in the grace and knowledge of you, that we help disciple them to maturity, Lord, and they can disciple others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate decisions for Jesus today? Amen. If, if you made a decision to accept Jesus into your life today, please let us know about that. There's a, a place on the connection card you can check. Give us your contact information. We're going to continue to pray for you. Send you a book in the mail that will help you in your new walk and journey with, with Christ. If you're a first-time guest today, thank you for being in our services. Hope we blessed you as much as you have blessed us with your presence today. Hope you filled out your connection card. You dropped that in the offering bucket so we can just uh, thank you for being our guest today and send you the Chick-fil-A coupon in the mail. Um, we're going to stand right now. We're going to close in a song of worship and worship through our giving in response to what God has taught us today. God bless you guys for being here and happy Mother's Day.